Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Spear Factor. Uh, today, our guest is Dr. Cyrus Torchinsky. He is a local doctor here in San Diego. Uh, he lives in Ocean Beach, and he's originally from Santa Cruz. He's a uh, surfer. And the nice thing about him uh, is that he kind of understands what we go through as divers and surfers and just watermen on a day-to-day basis and how we are and and dealing with the elements and things like that. So I'm really excited to share uh, some of his knowledge with us, and I hope you guys enjoy the show. And as always, we got to give a big shout out to our sponsors, uh, Camara Spearfishing, uh, the best thing about Camara Spearfishing is, wow, the uh, tip actually works, and it uh, replaces the high expensive uh, slip tips. It allows you to hunt around rocks without any issues. Uh, I personally use it, and I wouldn't recommend it if I didn't personally use it and believe in it. So check out the side slips at CamaraSpearfishing.com. And uh, the good news is if you get there and you decide you want to purchase, which you should, first of all, uh, but if you put in the Spear Factor promo code, that's promo code is Spear Factor, you'll get an additional 5% off. And um, that 5%, to be honest, comes back to me, which helps me do this whole thing and makes my wife happy. So I appreciate that very much uh, if you do decide to purchase. Also, our other sponsors, um, a new sponsor as well this week is Hot Rod Spear Guns. Uh, check it out, Paul Rodriguez. Uh, his Instagram, Hot Rod Spear Guns. Uh, I got a chance to meet Paul and go dive with him, and I've used his products to hunt dogs down in uh, Micronesia. And again, I believe in it. It's a, a good gun, really good gun, uh, at a really good price. So check it out. And as always, we're affiliated with the One Drop Spear Fishing, the boys down in Guam doing it right. Uh, spear fishing to feed the families and friends. And just love being in the ocean. All right, now that we got that done, let's get started with this episode. 
Today on the show, we have Dr. Cyrus Torchinsky. He is a ear, nose, and throat doctor here in San Diego. Uh, thank you for being on the show. Of course. Honored to be here. <laughs> and thank you for uh, driving over. I'm extremely humbled to have you in my house, mainly because like my own personal story with Cyrus was that I was having issues with my ears forever. And to be honest, uh, I ended up changing my medical group or something. And I, you were the first ear, nose, and throat doctor I saw and the last one. Because like even just doing the 50-50 vinegar and uh, alcohol every time after I uh, would surf or dive, it like fixed everything. Well, better to be lucky than good sometimes, Brett, but I'm glad I was able to help you Yeah, that simply. So right now, the coronavirus, we were talking about this off the air. Um, can you kind of recap what we were talking about yeah we were talking about there's a lot of stuff going around right now and unfortunately as many things in our modern times it's become politicized there's misinformation but what i've been telling people and i am not an expert in this at all is that the bottom line is that yes this could be a serious problem and it's it's not going to be a problem in the fact that we're going to be seeing something like contagion where there are body bags in the streets, but it could potentially overwhelm our health system. And that is what concerns me. I mean, we have in the United States, if you look at the number of hospital beds per 100,000 people, we're among the lowest in the developed world. We have 1 million beds in the entire country. And I could see a circumstance where hospitals already overcrowded as they are, if they get an influx of these corona cases, what's going to, where are the heart attack patients going to go? Where are the cancer surgery patients who need to recuperate in the ICU going to go? And that really is my main concern regarding this, not, not my own personal health or, the, or mass death, although there could potentially be that in the more vulnerable populations who tend to be the older adults or the people and smokers. So if there are any smokers out there, it's as good a time to quit as any. I'm going to throw my two cents in on that. And interestingly, men too seem to be more susceptible. Right. There are many misconceptions about who is the stronger sex, which we can talk about at another date. Oh, perfect. Yeah, it'd be nice to have you back and talk about that. Um, but you were also saying the mortality rate was three times more than the flu? Well, or? there's the best data that we have right now puts it the most optimistic. Seasonal flu has a mortality rate of 0.1%. And the best data we have on this, or the most optimistic rather, is that it would sit at 0.5%, which would in itself mean that instead of the 12 to 80,000, and I'm making this number up a little bit and choosing a low one on purpose, um, number of deaths we get per year in a flu season, we could see in excess of approaching half a million. And if some of the more um, some of the more distinguished people in the field have put the mortality rate at close to one percent, at which point we could see over a million deaths in the United States, and I think that's pretty serious. Wow. So, <laughs> okay, yeah, that's. Yeah, then you're now you're looking at not even just bed, but medicine, resources, and everything else. Yeah, and we're looking to what about personnel? What if doctors start freaking out? 
What if nurses start freaking out? You had a thousand infected people in the Wuhan hospital. You had 15 physicians dying, I think about a hundred nurses. I just, these are the things I worry about, our morale and just the whole thing. So I think it is potentially, it could be disruptive, not to our health, but to our healthcare system and to our more vulnerable citizens. Right. So, yeah, and that's so interesting to uh, some of the operations that I've done um, for the military when I was a contractor. It didn't seem like a big deal. It was like this little thing. But like what you're saying is the consequences of that little thing could, like for me, it was like affect Europe as a whole and be like an economical disaster. Yeah. Just because of like one little thing, you know. And it's so interesting to hear that from your side because oftentimes we don't think about that. Like I didn't think about that. I just think about it like, um, ah, well, it's the flu, old, young, whatever. Um, you know, they got, we have a good healthcare system here. We're good. Well, we do have a good healthcare system, but if the healthcare system gets overrun, then people are going to die just because they're not getting any way to treat it. Exactly. Right. Yeah, exactly. Okay. That's And that's an outlier. I mean, my understanding is the Surgeon General today felt that containment was going well, but I think we all need to potentially get ready to either hunker down at home or, you know, stay out of, stay out of certain places. Oh yeah. Um, (laughs) yeah, that's interesting because, uh, you know, traveling a lot and things like that, um, you, you end up feeling like, uh, pin cushion sometimes yeah and then you're talking about now like the tourist industry now right? oh yeah nobody wants to travel so yep. there's an economical impact yep so it just goes downhill and it, it all starts from maybe like you said a certain general has that power to like make a decision and say something that can yeah. affect millions of people's lives yeah right? exactly yeah. yeah and the people in that country that make their living off tourism yeah they're you know yeah, it was like nine eleven. I was working here during nine eleven in San Diego, and um, that was one of the things we saw. Where like local businesses were like, like the Hotel Dell. My wife and I actually went there because all their stuff was fifty percent off. We're like, let's go to the Hotel Dell. I know this is there. May, there's already some good um, travel bargains out there. I mean, there were flights to a Oahu ninety nine dollars. Yeah, each I saw way. that. You know, so yeah. it's already happening to a small degree. And the U.S. government today said, don't go on a cruise ship. Right. Which is really something else. So. That's not good for them. Not good yeah. for them at all. No. All right. Well, um, that's the coronavirus. <laughs> yeah, from <laughs> from a non-expert, but yeah. someone who's been reading too much about it. <laughs> well, let's switch gears. Um, as an ear, nose, and throat doctor, what are the most common issues that you see surfers, divers, just watermen, whatever that you? you know, you deal with? Well, you know, you deal with a lot of stuff. I mean, so the first one that everyone, I think, seems to know the best is the surfer's ear, which is the bony growth in the ear canal. And that is a condition where exposure to water, and it doesn't even necessarily need to be um, to very cold water, will lead, stimulate certain cells in the ear called osteo clasts, osteoblasts, pardon me, to generate new bone with exposure to cold water. And the exposure, the bone growth is cumulative with time. So generally people, not everyone gets them. So we think there's a gene involved and it tends to be 
people like Brett here, the Nordic, um, not limited to, but that seem to express the gene more than others, you know, Nordic North Sea tribes, Germans, Danes, Scandinavians, etc., with repeated exposure to cold water, bone grows in the ear canal, and over time can get to the point where you have recurrent infections, blockage of wax, even reduced hearing from the bone in the ear canal. And this is something that happens more frequently in cold water surfers, but it's not limited to surfers. You see it in anyone who's around the water, people that swim in the ocean, people that work on fishing boats that don't surf. And in fact, the first person to describe this um, condition was a Danish sea captain who, over the course of the years of his crew, looked in, they had a little homemade otoscope to look at the device to look in the ears and charted that some people in his crew, when they got cold water in their ears, their ears turned red. And those were the guys that went on to develop the bony growth in the ear canal. So that's probably the one that people think about the most. Um, I don't want to just keep yapping. Do you have any questions? Well, um, the, one of the coolest things I think you told me was that, uh, you were saying on the East Coast? Yep. On yeah. The, yeah, this is, and that relates exactly to the other point I was making, that it doesn't, it isn't just the water exposure, because think about it. I mean, it might be different with Brett, but with me, when I'm sitting surfing, usually I'm not looking at the beach. I'm right. looking the other way. And when we're sitting looking at the ocean in San Diego, our right ear points north. So it gets the bulk of that north wind, and the right ear tends to be a little bit worse in West Coast surfers, and the, op the opposite is true, because when you're sitting in Maine or North or Outer Banks doing your surfing, your left ear is getting buffeted by that north wind. So it definitely tends to be in the ear that is getting the bulk of the wind and water exposure. And there are exceptions, of course, but this has been right. studied to some degree, and, and there are the right ear tends to be the bad ear for the West Coast surfers and the left ear for the East Coast surfers. Yeah, it's so interesting because it's, I mean, it just makes sense. So like for the layman, it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. 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 A lot of things don't. So it's good that when you have <laughs> yeah. something that does, a lot of things don't. But yeah, I mean, the thing is, I mean, we sh you shouldn't panic if you have them. They're common. And if your primary doctor looks in there and says, oh, man, you have surfer's ear. If you're not having any wax getting trapped in there, you're not getting infections trapped in, you're not getting infections and you're hearing fine. Most of the time it's like you've got surfers here, right? There's not much to do about it. But on the cases where we have recurred, where an individual has recurrent infection, where an individual is just, their ears just getting clogged all the time. They can't hear. We address it. And that um, way we address it is surgical. And that procedure is known as a canalplasty. And there are many ways to skin that cat, to put it mildly. I've and heard horror stories about that. Yeah, there that. are horror stories about it. And there are basically, you read about, there are really three ways to do it. Everyone talks about two. There really, there's kind of a middle ground way. The most dreaded way is where we cut your ear off. And it's not, that's not exactly true. It's close to true, but not exactly. And that's when this is kind of like some very prestigious ear surgeons and people I respect very, very much believe this is the only way to do this surgery. And that includes the people that trained me at UCSD, 
and right. Dr. Harris over there, who's an excellent, excellent surgeon. And then Dr. Quinn Nguyen, who is really a phenomenal surgeon and probably going to win a Nobel Prize in biochemistry, but that's it for something completely different. <laughs> True genius and lucky to have worked with her. Um, then in that case, what we do is we make an incision behind the ear to expose the bony growth in the ear canal. And the argument for that is you can see a little more and um, get a little more bone out so that the surgery lasts longer. The disadvantage of that is the healing time is longer, which people don't like. You know, they want to have like, they want to be back in the water as soon as possible. Right, and, you know, surfers. Yeah, Yeah. Ex like, exactly. Yeah. Um, then another disadvantage is your ear sticks out a little funny for a couple days. And there, but that in and of itself is generally no more than two weeks, especially if it's in the hands of a person that does a lot of them. Um, and that's what we call the post-auricular or cut your ear off approach. And I can tell you, I've had a couple people that specifically asked me not to do that. Their surgeries went fine, but I wish I had been a little bit more forthright. Then there's an approach where you can go through the ear canal and then we'll talk a little bit about chiseling because the chiseling versus drilling, um, once again, somewhat controversial. You know, there are people that will never use a drill because they're not comfortable with it or they don't like the way that they don't like the tedium of it. And then there are people that will don't chisel because they feel it's too dangerous, which sounds ironic, right? Because it seems like that would be more controlled right. than a power tool spinning at 90,000 RPM, you know, <laughs> like in yeah. your ear. But yeah. in reality, um, it's that comes down a little bit to surgeon preference. But when we do it through the ear, the generally the way we do it is we make the cuts expose the bony growth. And then either with a chisel or what I do when I'm in the rare, probably not that rare, but what I do in the ones that I'm like, I feel like I can do a good job through the ear canal, which I, on occasion you get, you can drill a little groove into the base of the bony growth, almost like to get your chisel into, and then you pop it right. out. So that's the other way that's done. And the advantage of that is people heal faster. And that's why people like it. The disadvantage is that, I don't care what anyone tells you, you don't get as much bone out because you can't see the canal as well. And going back to my mentors, who are people I respect and, you know, people I would let operate on me or anyone I know, don't believe in that. But there's a, and then there's a third kind of in-between way where you can make an incision in front of the ear. And instead of flipping the ear forward, you pull it back. And that's, I usually land when I do these, I like that technique and on the rare occasions where, you know, people that are a hundred percent blocked, I tell them, look, we're probably going to have to, if you want this thing to be gone for 20 years, it's, it's probably better to go behind, but that's look, a lot of, there are a lot of different opinions on this. I just yeah. want to present well, my two cents. If it was me, cause we had talked about it, um, but it wasn't necessary now. Um, you're saying two weeks for a heel time. That's optimistic. That's best that's case scenario. Your, that's with your through, ear though. Through the ear canal. Okay. That's two, if you don't cut the ear off, a couple people, some people can get healed up within two weeks. And when these things go wrong, 
The reason they go wrong is often, like many, most surfers are men. We can agree on that, right? <laughs> and most men don't like going to the doctor. This Correct. one included. Yep. All right. And what happens if you have these things for years and years and years is that skin that lines the ear canal turns to utter crap. Pardon my language. Uh-huh. And the integrity, the health of that skin is really the most important. And how much we can save when we're doing the surgery is really the most important thing in determining healing. And that's that's really so yeah like you get a 27 year old guy who just starts his ears just starting to block uh-huh. you know and he's got something in there usually those guys a couple weeks three weeks they're back but you get a 48 year old plus guy who's been surfing for you know 40 years plus and has had 15 infections over the past six years that skin is garbage and okay. you either got to put a graft in there or you got to just get ready to tell people i don't know go golfing i don't know whatever you do i don't even know how to play golf but hiking i don't know walk your dog do something else for till it heals up how what are you thinking like like you know three months or that's a real outlier three months is a real outlier and i would consider if that happened to one of my patients as it will but it has not yet I would really be upset about it. But what we're talking is like six weeks, maybe right. eight, but a solid four to six weeks. You know, and I think with people that have actually dealt with ear problems, like, and it's so, you know, I deal with it chronically, um, you know, um, viral or, uh, sorry, fungus versus bacteria infection. Yeah. Um, we'll get into that. But, yep. um, you know, six weeks would be like, you're telling me six weeks and I don't have to worry about it for the next, you know, absolutely. Oh, you're fine. Um, that's fine by me. Six weeks is no problem. When yeah. You consider all the pain and the ear itching and yeah. the, how much time you actually miss out of the water because of infections. Like, yeah. I mean, when I was in Guam, I was diving probably and surfing at least once a day, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, I came back here, went surfing twice, and within two weeks had an ear infection. I surf in the jetty. It's not yep. the cleanest water. Not the cleanest water, yeah. no. Which kind of leads to infections and what happens when it rains. Okay, so this is one that I personally, embarrassingly, have paid for three times. And the don't get in the water thing after it rains, folks, is very real and this has been studied by scripps institute of oceanography where they actually sampled the water after it rains and what they found in there wasn't pretty okay so e coli haven't had that one but staph staph is staph is in your own body often more but what i'll get to that one in a minute e coli something called campylobacter which i have had courtesy of surfing after raining which gives bloody diarrhea and campylobacter has an infectious dose of i need to look this up i mean i'm i know i'm not on grand rounds but it's an incredibly low infectious dose back in the day in the glory years of medicine where you could study prisoners, where they right. would do experiments on prisoners. I think I need to, I really should have looked this up because I, but it's, 
in it's an infinitesimally small number of organisms. It's something like five bacteria, and you uh -huh. can get very, very sick from it. Viral infections, viruses are more in the water after it rains. And these include norovirus, which is the virus that you see makes everyone on the cruise ship have diarrhea. Yeah. Adenovirus, which is the most common cause of viral gastroenteritis or stomach flu. All of these counts go up in the water after it rains and you're putting yourself at risk for all of them. So do they I, go up like significantly? Amazingly significantly. Okay, that's like really... 10 to, I mean, it's not even close significantly. And I haven't even, what I, what I meant to add too, is if you're anywhere near an estuary, you get all the bird pathogens too that can infect us. So it's not even uh, just genosis. human waste. Yeah. You get the, exactly the zoonotic infection. So right. it's really not a good idea. I see people doing it, but fine, <laughs> you know, fine, oh, go for it, go to town. I've done it. And like, like you, I've paid the price, uh, price for it twice with, um, you know, I had a cut on my ankle and I'm like, well, it's really good. I'm going to go surf. And I told myself, I was like, just watch it. Sure enough, like the next morning, it blew up, infected. Yep. You know, and then my knee was the same way. Um, and then that's not even including all the fun diarrhea times. Yeah. That myself and a lot of my friends that I talk to, because where we surf, same thing. Yep. And, and, and that's probably from the norovirus or adenovirus that gets dumped in there also. Yeah. That's what pe people think about the bacteria. But when I was prepping for this and I pulled a, I pulled a couple papers, it, I was, I learned something that you get a lot of, <laughs> there's a ton of norovirus and adenovirus in there too. So it's just, and I mean, I wasn't even surfing the jetty. I got, well, Campylobacter, I'm pretty sure I got at Cliffs. And then I have two sinus infections. The only sinus infections I've had in my life, ironically, given my profession, were La Jolla Shores. After Really? La Jolla Shores. Yes, sir. From so, all the sea lion poop? I don't know. Over Who knows? Like, I, it's just, the, I just think it's yeah. just polluted water, yeah. period. I mean, I don't know. There, there are drains there, you know, halfway, maybe there. I don't know. Yeah. At Scripps, there are drains. But I was surfing shores. I naively thought um, that would be a good place to surf. But there is no good place to surf after it rains. And generally, I think you should, people should wait the full three days. That's, yeah, I hope everybody's listening. Yeah, they won't, but that's okay. No, it's all right. <laughs> I didn't. I get it. And I've done it too. Like I said, it's happened three times. <laughs> yeah. You know, granted, it's been about a decade, but, you know, I mean, I was a, I was a fully, you know, anointed MD with every single surfing related <laughs> infection I've had. So. That's so classic. Yep. Well, my doctor surfs after the rain. Yeah, yeah. I know. Well, not, not anymore. Do. This one doesn't anymore. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so then just also just the swimmer's ear that kind of you were alluding to, too, like uh -huh. ears are like the best environment to grow stuff that shouldn't be growing in your body, especially you mentioned otomycosis, fungus. Yeah. I have an ear surgery book from 1928, I believe. And there's a really charming little passage in there about fungus where it says the ear is the greenhouse of the body, damp you know, warm, dark. It's where you grow mushrooms. And right. that is. Well, you're from Santa Cruz, right? Yeah. That's so where you should know all about that. Yeah, <laughs> I do. Yeah. Well, those are different kinds. That's like more like, unless you have a cow patty growing in your ear, but um, right. the, um, the, um, yeah, the big problem 
with it is that, you know, our wax actually protects us from infections. So we have, but you can trapped water in an ear is not a good thing. So I think we've talked about this previously. There are a lot of, there are things, there are kind of preventive things that individuals can do to, um, to help themselves. Like, you know, there was a commercially available drop that I know I provided with you 2% acetic acid, but that's, that was a um, casualty of pharmaceutical companies wanting to make a ton of money, which is really unfortunate because that was a super useful drop. And I'm embarrassed to admit that I'm nerdy enough that when they tried to bear, it was initially made by bear. When they tried to take it off the market the first time I started a nationwide petition of ENT doctors to keep it on and it worked. They kept it on for a year. So I remember that, I used it. Yeah. Yeah. And then I called you. I was like, Hey, uh, I can't find that stuff. No anymore. longer exists. Yeah. No longer exists. So they, um, but you can make, you can drying out the ear can be useful. And there is a commercial ear dryer. It's made by, I think it's max M A C K apostrophe S. There's some benefit to just drying the ear out with that. And it can be run off a car lighter or, charged yeah i have one upstairs yeah the max ear dryer just yeah. blows warm air in your exactly ear. yeah right. so dry it out and then like we've talked about you can make a one-to-one mixture of distilled white vinegar and isopropyl alcohol and i i don't i think 70 versus 90 percent doesn't matter that much good luck finding some now in the pharmacy thanks to coronavirus oh, yeah i tried to find some for my for this purpose yesterday and cvs on santa monica was sold out but that's very effective too. And just that the vinegar acidifies the ear canal and then the alcohol evaporates out the liquid. So it's, um, that's what, that's what I've been using, um, for the last, since I saw you and, um, I tend to get fungal infections more, but I remember when you said, if you start to feel like you're getting a fungal infection, just go from after you surf to two times a day. Yep. Put your drops in there. And um, I haven't had to see you in years. It's true. It's true. And if you're too lazy to mix the two things, there's actually a lot of use just for straight vinegar. It sticks around in there and your ears will stink a little bit like salad oil, but you can drop straight vinegar in there too. And it's pretty effective against fungus. Everybody uh, that knows me knows like... There you are. You go surf this morning, huh? Yeah. Or like dive this morning or, you know, because I yeah. just smell like, yeah. It's like salad oil. But yeah. hey, man, better than an ear infection. Yeah. And I guess one thing I could say is like, when do you go need to go see someone about this? That might be worth talking about. Like, first of all, like anyone with diabetes needs to take these ear infections pretty seriously. They can progress pretty quickly. And if your ear is bothering you and draining pus if your hearing is going downhill or if it's really tender to the touch it's worth going in um i think for just a clogged ear versus not infected versus you know a painful draining ear it's always good but you know access to healthcare in the united states that's another story (laughs) you know um it's always good to get it checked out, but I think it's reasonable, you know, to try some over-the-counter remedies first. Um, I don't recommend ear candles. Stay away from those. Okay. Those are dangerous, but warmed hydrogen peroxide, not hot, but just, you know, lukewarm hydrogen peroxide, the commercial Debrox kits followed by 
some attempts at self-irrigation, and I would say yeah, I limited attempts at self-irrigation are worth a shot. What um, are some cautions with self-irrigation, though? Well, because... the concept is you have to have enough room for the water to get behind the plug and push it out of the canal. Right. So that's one caution. The other caution is that earwax is predominantly made of dead skin cells. And what happens when you put water on skin cells? They swell. So mm -hmm. if you keep putting stuff in there, you're just making that plug swell more and more and more. And then the final caution is the concept is to get it behind, but you can jam it in deeper with right. that. They're really, and I am embarrassed, somewhat embarrassed to admit, I have a book chapter I've written on earwax. That's one of my publications. And there really is no good way to do it, but right. the, none of, no, nothing, either nothing is that, you know, 90% effective for self-management of earwax. But I think that's a reasonable reasonable thing to try so, so do you have to be careful because i've you know q-tips uh, are out too by the way Q nothing smaller than your elbow and your ear we don't we weren't making that one up i mean think about it if you have a it's like a cannon and you're like pushing yeah, the cannon scraping off all the skin that we're talking about, yeah right? yeah and then some people like you've got flora in your ear canal um that just like we have good bacteria everywhere else and i've never had to do this but there is a pretty famous guy up at University of California, San Francisco, and he's only published case reports. He hasn't actually published a series, but sometimes what he does, if he has a patient he can't get rid of the ear infection, he takes wax from the good ear and slams it in there to try and restore the bacterial balance. So, yeah. And then the wax itself has benefits. Ear wax is antibacterial. It's not like Clorox, but if you put ear wax on a Petri dish going bacterial, it kills some of them. And earwax is also hydrophobic, meaning that water skates off of it rather than soaking right. into it. So there's, it's good stuff. Yeah. Do you have to be careful if you're squirting in your ear? Because uh, I know guys that have popped their eardrums surfing. Yeah, that happens. You know, let's put it this way. I've yet to meet a woman that has had an accidental eardrum injury <laughs> that well, didn't involve surfing. <laughs> but yeah, yes. you have to be very, you have to be very careful with... <laughs> Manip yes, you you know, I have seen doctor's offices irrigate perforations. Right. It, it's Yeah, you have to be, you can't go crazy with it. If it doesn't come out after a couple, two or three times, stop and then go see a specialist. But that's a rare circumstance. That's okay. not something that's going to happen to a lot of people. You'd think with four of us spread out on a tiny island that the task of tagging a whitetail would not be a big thing. But as I've learned... No matter where I've been, whitetails can be damn tricky. Pursuing wild game in wild places. Tune in to Hunt Stand Presents Saturdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. Okay. Well, what along those lines, what are the what is the craziest thing that you've seen or experienced as an ear, nose, and throat doctor? Um, like related, um, you were saying something about people being paralyzed. By oh, okay. Yeah. This was, I kind of had my long, this is my first podcast. So I, and I'm probably rambling too much, but no, it's perfect. I, pro I had, um, yeah, I kind of had my laundry list of things I wanted to talk about. And first was my PSA about water exposure after rain. Cause I think that one, I live in ocean beach and I've seen some pretty, like, it looks like, 
a porta potty and people surfing out oh, there. Oh yeah, the I, smell. Yeah, and I'm swallowing and water. And, yeah, smell. Oh my god. Um, yeah. But there is something, and this is really look. All of us that live here and surf have friends who come and visit, or friends who want to start surfing, and all of us. Well, probably maybe not the guys at Newbreak, but the rest of us have taken beginner surfing, right? Right. <laughs> you know, maybe not those guys. But, yeah, yeah. Maybe you know, not for, to that spot. Not we'll to that, that. Sp- okay, not at yeah. that spot. They'll take right. him to the pier. They'll yeah. take him to the pier. But there is, it is incredibly rare. And there are, last I checked, I think 150 reported cases of this. So you have to be pretty unlucky. But when we surf, what do we do? We do what seals do, right? When they want to catch a wave, they arch their backs. And that back arching motion combined with the paddling can lead to something that's called surfer's myelopathy and myelopathy means when the nerves that leave the spinal cord die the blood supply to the spinal cord is this puny little artery and in some of these unlucky souls what happens is they're paddling and the warning sign for this is intense lower back pain if you are paddling with someone that is a new surfer and they develop intense back pain, get them out of the water. Just, it's done. Stop them right there, because that's the first sign of this. And then that gets followed by tingling in the feet, progressing up the legs, and a fair number of these people are paraplegic from this problem. And this, the kind of stereotypical surfer is the novice surfer, but there are a handful of case reports in very young people, actually, uh, 20, 21 years old who just took a break from surfing for a year and went back to surfing. Like I had this bum shoulder for 18 months. I haven't surfed and I'm definitely going to be like, take it super easy. So how do we prevent this stretching? Um, Stretching is key. We don't know enough about it really to have. There are 20,000 cases we could study, but stretching um, and then just common sense. So if you're out there with a beginner, and they complain of lower back pain, or even if someone who hasn't been in the water, that's serious. And it can result in paralysis. It's crazy. So why why, um, beginner surfers versus more experienced surfers? Is the muscles just not strong enough? Yeah, it's just, I mean, exercise does great things for you. And one of the things that exercise does is all of those muscles in our body get new capillaries. They get new blood flow. And... It's that, like I said, there aren't that many cases of this. I mean, there's enough that I think there's a, I think I found today there's a foundation. It didn't look like the page was super active, but there is a transverse, it's Surfer's Myelopathy Foundation, or if anyone wants to Google this, and it's probably not germane to most of your listeners, but like I said, we all go out, we all like, oh, I want to go surfing. So you're like, yeah, you take your friend surfing, you know, yeah. Maybe you go to tourmaline or, you know, like the south end of shores, but you take them or you take them surfing. Yeah. And um, I know uh, we're, we talk a lot about surfing, but, you know, this podcast is about waterman stuff and it all relates. Um, if you for the novice guys that come and they want to take up surfing, please be selective on the days in which you choose to surf. Oh, my God. I know this is not a medical issue, <laughs> but this is. Yes. Please. And generally, I think a safe thing to say, and you can, you, you have are 10 times the surfer I will ever be, but 
the I think if it's what bigger than maybe chest high, yeah. don't bother. Yeah, I think that's it's, the thing. you're not gonna have fun. Nope. The best thing you're gonna say to yourself is, "Wow, I survived today." Because yep. I've done that in like thirty foot waves. Yep. And it got that feeling. Yep. But if you're just learning, um, yeah, I had to rescue a guy from Austin. And I felt really bad for him because he had no idea. Um, he rented a board. I was pissed at like the people whoever rented the board from. I was like that they totally set you up to fail. Yeah, it was. Uh, Where six, was he surfing? Was the this... jetty? Oh my god! It was ten feet though. That day. oh my it was god, eight to ten feet by eight. Yeah, it was like six to eight, occasional ten. Yeah, eight to ten at the jetty and eight to ten at the pier though. Let's right, put but, it that and way. he got stuck in the eddy, like the the going out. Yep. And so I saw him. I was on my way in, and I think I've talked about this before. I was on my way in, and I saw him with his wetsuit halfway down, and oh, then he was no. doing like the uh, on a rental foam board. Oh man! And he was a bigger guy, you know. Um, younger guy, but bigger. And I was like, and somebody was like, Hey, help get a lifeguard. You know? And I was like, get a lifeguard. What do you mean? Like lifeguards, the guy's kid's going to drown before a lifeguard comes. I know. And I, and he was really panicked. You could tell, you know, I guess he said he panicked. He started taking his wetsuit off. Yeah. And, and don't ever do that. It's such a flotation. It might just keep you alive. Um, so we got him up. We and my buddy, uh, Jay and I ended up getting him on the beach and he was so, he was very thankful, but I just talked to him and he just didn't have any idea, um, and I said, what did they say when you rented the board? They said, yeah, go try Ocean Beach, you know. Oh, and I was man. like, they're trying. first of all, now you're trying to send people to our beach. Yeah. Like PB, because they said he rented it over in PB. Oh, God, yeah. And, you uh, don't want to be in Ocean Beach. No, it's just, so. it's, and, and he's right next, you know. But no, anyways, especially not the jetty. Yeah. It's, I mean, you're risking just infection. significant <laughs> infection and just the significant ire of the, yeah, yeah, of the, of the yeah. people that surround you. And this is, I mean, this is probably... More for a discussion with a realer surfer than myself, but I mean, I can tell you, you don't want to be the ass clown, right? That day, yeah. It's I mean, it was, but the thing was beyond was, the danger, the humiliation, right? Yeah, <laughs> in that situation, it was so obvious. It wasn't even like people were mad. Oh, like they were more. Threat, it was more like, dude, they they were mad originally because it was like you shouldn't be out here, and he was like. I know. I don't want to be out here. <laughs> oh, I know. I've been there too. And I yeah. was like, yeah. And I was like, okay, well, let's get you in. And, uh, you know, but yeah. Um, so have you seen much issues with uh, free diving? I, the thing with diving, free diving is that it's so, such a niche thing, like spearfishing, that we typically get issues just like surfing, um, all water related stuff. Yep. Have you seen like uh, sinus issues, like from people diving or like anything like that? I have, and I have seen ear issues, and including what the um, tube that is most near and dear to you, the eustachian tube. And yes. I'm going to give my two cents about diving, and just say like the one thing that needs immediate medical attention if you have difficulty on the ascent equalizing on a dive is ringing in the ear and vertigo, especially the combination thereof. Because there is something called, and then I'll get to the, I'll riff a little bit more on this. There is something called a perilymphatic fistula. And basically we, all, we know there's the eardrum, and you got three little bones behind it, malleus incus stapes or hammer anvil stirrup. And 
if when you're equalizing, if you're coming up too fast, the last one, the stapes can pop out of its little socket for a microsecond. And when it does that, basically it releases the electrolyte fluid that is the battery fluid for your inner ear. And when you do that, you can go deaf. You say coming up too fast. Yes. Okay. Yes. Problems with ascent. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Right, 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 right. You can actually pop that thing out of there. And when that happens, you do, you can lose, have permanent hearing loss from yeah. that. And we, we call it a reverse squeeze. Yes. Reverse yeah. squeeze. Yeah, That's yeah. exactly right. See, I yeah. should know the lingo. I thought I was so focused on surfing, 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 because <laughs> it's the one thing I do. But, um, the, and there, but the thing is, if that happens, there is some chance to salvage your hearing if you go in the hyperbaric tank. So right. that's one thing that is, I just want to put my two cents out about the dreaded fistula okay. or a reverse squeeze yeah. is the, is, is the real term, is the non-medical term, but we call it perilymphatic fistula. Okay. And that's a, considered a medical emergency. And I have, I have, I had one guy at UCSD when I was there who had three. So I mean, don't, don't Stop ask diving. No, I know. I know. That's another issue. I it's, know. My dad is a uh, guns, uh, uh, as a trains people to shoot, you know, out in the desert. And, uh, the best thing was, he's like, this guy shot himself in the leg the other day. on Monday. He told me, and he was like, Oh no, I did it again. Oh my, my God. I was like, maybe you should get another hobby. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's kind of how I felt because I, this was back when I was in residency and I just happened to be on call every time. <laughs> so I was like, again. And then the, after the second one, I was like, okay, this is, I was like, he what must have learned doing? his lesson. Yeah. Cause he lost half his hearing on the second one. Oh. And then the third one, I was like, Oh man. Wow. So that's the one thing is the eustachian tube issues. And I do see one fairly common circumstance I see is people that, and you may have listeners that have experienced this, is people who everything's going along just fine. And then one day it's not. Okay. Like, and you, it just, when it's typically one ear just isn't clearing the way that it should. Right. And those kind of issues, we actually have new technologies to deal with those. I haven't gotten, I have only one patient who, and I'll get to that in a little bit, but that we call eustachian tube dysfunction or eustachian tube, like when there's actual damage from it, it's barotrauma. And that can also happen in the sinuses too. Okay. And they're just, they're pressure equalization issues, just, you know, being able to make, keep the, the inner kind of internal pressure and pressure around it equivalent and that issue i see a lot and if you, you have a listener out there with that you know the a lot of their a lot of people with allergies who are lazy about their allergies allergy seasons are getting worse every year as the weather changes so do the allergies and it ain't getting better they're getting longer more pollen etc so that allergy you had that maybe your ears felt like a little eh noticed it once every three months right that could be the cause when people, some people, when they get a little bit older, the tube just doesn't work as well as it did. So that should be evaluated because you don't want to have the fistula. So if you notice that, that is, I think if you have a listener that's has one ear that's given them trouble, that didn't give them trouble before, go get it checked out. Yeah. For I sure. had this one time I was at work and we had something stuck about, I don't know, 35 feet. 
and I saw it really quick and, and rather than change out or anything, I just jumped over the boat boat and swam down to it. Uh, and it was like, had a hard time clearing. Um, and I was like, oh, it's right there at five feet, you know, and I pushed it and, uh, because I wanted to get it and I got it, but then I noticed I couldn't hear. And it seemed like rather than my eardrum rupture because it's so flexible, my eustachian tube, I think, just flooded with something. And it was like, yeah, that can of- happen, or it can just, or it can that can happen. But what it, what I was kind of getting at is that we do have a procedure for the eustachian tube. Finally, I mean, this has been the holy grail of ENT for, yeah. I mean, forever. And I don't have. I have done it for people with recurrent ear fluid. It's a modified sinus balloon which is in itself a modified balloon that they do use to open up the heart arteries and we go in there and we dilate it open and the my one patient who lost his ability to free dive and this was a gentleman who has been doing this for 30 years plus yeah i we did the procedure about eight weeks ago and we'll see how it goes and i'll maybe let you know next time yeah, and if you're uh, listening and that was you, we'd love to hear your opinion. Uh, yeah, just see how it's going. That'd be yeah. awesome. Yeah, yeah. but um, yeah, that's the the issue. The eustachian tube. That's I mean, it's the main problem. But really, just if you have vertigo and you have ringing in your ear, right. go in. Don't what, blow it off. Where does the ringing in your ear come from? Like I have that, and I didn't ever. And it comes and goes. Just not even diving, but just in general in life. And I never noticed I really had it because life's pretty chaotic yep. until I get in the water and it's yep. quiet. And I'm yep. like, oh, there it is. Well, you know, this is a whole other issue and it's a complicated one. But when you think ringing in an ear, the first thing we think is hearing loss. Right. And it doesn't even have to be that significant of a hearing loss. And this is like so many other things in medicine, people will argue about this at conferences, but the theory I prescribe to is, have you heard of phantom limb sensation? Have no. you ever heard of that? Oh, yeah. yeah people yeah. lose their arm, they like, still yeah. feel their arm is there. I have a friend that, yeah. Yeah, like the amputees, it happens to them. It's, we think it's the same. Uh, my camp thinks it's the same kind of thing. Like, you lose those frequencies and your brain's like, whoa. And when you look at the circuitry between the ear and the brain, there's a lot of tuning there's a lot of brain to ear going on Uh and a lot of parts of the inner ear the cochlea there's more going in more going to the cochlea than from so we know there's a lot of modulating of this input and you lose a little bit and those processing cells don't know what to do so Uh they make the noise and there's a lot of evidence to back that up there are some other causes of ringing there's some people there is just ring Kids actually have this thing called the autoacoustic emission, which is a tone that pediatric ears generate that sounds like a ringing. And on occasion, you can it's so loud you can hear it across the room. I had a patient like that when I was at Rady a gazillion wow. years ago. You hear this ee, and it was the autoacoustic emission. Never saw it since, probably never see it again. But the ear actually makes its own little tone that we think is part of that tuning mechanism. Um, sometimes we don't know what causes it. You know, there a lot of people wake up one day and I see this in my office all the time. Ears are ringing and check their hearing. It's perfect. Go through There's you know, people that take a lot of aspirin uh-huh. that salicylates that class of drugs can cause ringing. Ibuprofen, Aleve to a lesser extent can cause ringing. Um, 
quinine, you know, tonic water has uh-huh. quinine in it. I had one patient who had ringing his ears because he drank a gin and tonic every night. And I said, switch to vodka soda when I wait, because it was the, it was the quinine, it was the tonic water, the, the quinine in the tonic water. And then also in some people, it's just because there's a little blood vessel right next to the hearing nerve pushing on the hearing nerve. Oh, okay. So, you know, ringing, let me just give my PSA about that. Like in both ears, it's almost never ominous. Okay. And uh-huh. I mean, you should get it checked out. You should have a hearing test. And I can tell you that individuals are the worst judge of their own hearing. I have been, especially when I worked at the Veterans Administration Hospital, been sitting across a very nice, very earnest people who tell me, yeah, they hear just fine. And talking at this volume, I turn and just start talking nonsense and turn back and they haven't heard a thing I say. So that's interesting because, um, I talk about it having had a bunch of head trauma and concussions or whatever. Oh, that's, we'll get to that too. Yeah. yeah that's good. I'm glad you like, brought that up. Um, it's like, uh, people like, you know, I'll tell you I'm fine. And then I blew up on my wife because I was hungry and she's like, no, you're not fine. And yep. it's like, this is your central processing system. Yep. You don't know that you're not fine. No, you live your in brain that head. is telling you you're good to go. And yep. I'm like, so I realized that with my own trauma, and then it took like a bunch of other things happening. And I was like, oh, I fucked my head up again. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And I imagine your ears, you don't know. It's like when your eyes go bad, they're going bad so slow. You exactly. Think fine. Exactly. Exactly right. And I'm glad you brought up trauma because trauma is another, that's, you know, that's another cause of ringing via hearing loss yeah is just like your brain can get a concussion your inner ear organ the cochlea can get a concussion too with equally devastating effects and it's an incredibly fragile organ it's amazing like i studied it for five years when i did my phd i'm extra extra nerdy doctor i did both and it's you're born with 15 to twenty thousand cells they start dying off when you're two years old. They have one teeny little artery that is two red blood cells wide supplying all of your hearing. And it's encased in the hardest bone in the body. That's how valuable it is. There is no denser, harder bone than that around your inner ear. But it can still get, it can still get um, scary. Ro- rocked by trauma. Like oh, you yeah. can get cochlear concussion too. So that organism, is that the one that looks like kind of spiral? Yeah, like a nautilus, right? That's exactly what I was going to say. Like Like a a nautilus. Yeah, like a nautilus. Like a nautilus. And it's the same ratio as the nautilus. Like if you look at the ratio of all the individual parts, Uh everything that looks like that in nature has that ratio. And I used to know it, but that's, I think it's one, four, nine, but someone can tell me. There's probably an engineer listening that can explain this better than I can, but it's really cool. It's a, it's an amazing organ balance organ too like the interior is pretty pretty cool little thing we got going in there no i just um man we covered so much good stuff um i just feel like like, that's good i think we should stop there cool yes sorry i talked so much oh no it's awesome thank you thank you so much for coming by oh anytime man and if you guys are ever see uh you know, uh, this tall, handsome doctor out there surfing with crazy hair with right now, crazy hair, yeah. uh, 
be, be take it easy on them and maybe yeah. just let them have a wave because yeah, one probably... it's been a while but i'm gonna be i'm gonna be on the longy for a while <laughs> yeah. it's well, been a while i tore my rotator oh AT- that's like yeah yeah that that'll sideline you for a little yeah, while especially surfing at the jetty i did it at the jetty oh fun yeah, and, yeah. but it was just because i was on a i probably at 220 shouldn't be, or 200 pounds shouldn't be riding the board that I rode when I was yeah. 22 and 165. Yeah, I'm, so. I'm going through that right now. I got to get back yeah. in shape. But yeah. Uh, yeah, so if you see, uh, you know, Cyrus, Dr. Cyrus Torchinsky out there. Um, uh, be take, nice to me. Be nice to him because he's probably <laughs> going to be the one doing the surgery on your ear. Yeah. And uh, awesome. So thanks again, Doc. All right. Good to see you, man. Already. Anytime. Yeah. That concludes our show for today. Uh, I hope you guys really liked it and found it informative and helpful. Um, and I hope this helps you guys uh, get better if you got any issues and also prevent some of those issues. All right. So until the next episode, take care. You want to succeed. You want to fish. You want to be one of the greatest. Tune in to West Marine's Life on the Water, presented by Costa Custom Boats, every Saturday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. Pursuing wild game in wild places. Tune in to Hunt Stand Presents Saturdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.